0: And we just want to, Danny's going to come up and share the message this morning. Let's just pray for him real quick. Lord, I just pray that Danny's, that your words would be on him, that you would have favor upon him, that the message that you have for him would speak to our hearts. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
1: Good morning. Well, we are at the beginning of our study through the book of Acts. And just have looked forward to this series for for a while. I I believe it just will flow out of what we did previously when we were talking about uh, discipleship, our ghost series. Because really what we see in this book of Acts is how God mobilized the church, how God gathered his disciples together and gave them direction and allowed them to really be the body of Christ here on earth, how they were able to to do the works of Jesus, say the words of Jesus, to take on the, the mission and the ministry of Jesus. So let's go ahead and pray because I, I, this passage that we're looking at today in Acts chapter 3 I, I think is especially powerful and poignant for us. So Father, we ask again that you would come, allow me to be... Uh, be clear, allow me to communicate those things, and and that we could just glean a a harvest from, from this particular chapter. So come be with us today, Lord, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, how many of you were here last weekend, or at least listened online to Derek Morphew's talk? Just, okay, probably about Half, maybe a little bit more. Last week, let me just give a, a very, very short summary of what our guest speaker last week talked about. It, we sort of took a break from the going through the book of Acts, but in a very real sense, what Derek taught about was so central and foundational to what we are going to be seeing and, and looking at in the book of Acts. Derek talked about the theology that is oftentimes referred to... Uh, as as the theology of the already and the not yet. And just simply put, what what Derek brought light to is is a a thread through the scriptures where we are now living at a time when the kingdom of God, the reign and the rule of God has come to earth. Jesus has come, he's the king, and Jesus came, he drew near to his people in order to establish his good reign, in order to bring the purposes of God from heaven to earth. That's why he taught the disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So there's an aspect in which the kingdom has come because the the king came, drew near to us, and through the Holy Spirit is writing his purposes on our hearts and on our minds. But there's also an aspect where the kingdom is coming. It's not fully here. We sort of live at a time when the kingdom is, is like Swiss cheese. Work with me on this. The, where where there's, there's aspects where we see the substance of the kingdom, the substance of God's grace and God's power and God's glory established here on earth, but there's also times when the kingdom, we recognize the kingdom is coming. We don't see it in a perfect way. We don't see it in a complete way. We don't see complete healing. We don't see complete transformation in our own lives. So the kingdom has come. The kingdom is coming. We live in a time of the already and the not yet. Now, as we look through the book of Acts, we, we will see examples of the kingdom that has come, we'll see examples of, of the kingdom that is still yet to come. So let's go ahead and dive right into Acts chapter 3. We're going to just go verse by verse through most of the chapter. It's one of the, one of, one of the ways I, I most enjoy to teach but don't often have opportunity. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Verse 4 says, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention expecting to get something from them. This, this picture that, that is set here is, is one that was probably very common, that oftentimes those who were blind or lame, those who were injured, those who were just poor, would place themselves around Public areas that with different pools where people would come to get water. Different uh, the, the, at the temple where people would enter in, and that was common. That that that. The, the community of faith recognized, the Jews recognized that part of their responsibilities as followers of God was not just to bring their, their tithe to the, the storehouse of the temple, but they would give alms. They would give over and above their tithe to the poor of the community and take care, take care of their own. So here we have a situation where we, we get to see a, a moment when indeed the kingdom of God was going to begin to slice in to this this moment of time where we get to see Peter and John take, as it were, a handful of God's heavenly purposes, a handful of the, the, the kingdom that is yet to come, and bring the reality of God's grace and God's power and God's mercy into this moment. And and the reason why I wanted to stop here at verse 4 is I want us to take a moment to to consider what was going on in this moment. When when Peter and John see this man, he's just asking for money. And all of a sudden, Peter says, well, look at me. But there's something going on, I'm quite certain, behind the scenes. There's something going on that is isn't that is is sort of in between the lines here. And I believe clearly what was going on in this moment when Peter said, now look at me for a moment. What was going on is Peter was saying in his mind, in his heart, Father, what is it you want us to do in this moment? I mean, it would have been very easy for Peter to, to... pull out some money out of his pocket and give it to the, this man. We may have had it recorded in the scripture and it would be a, a, a wonderful lesson of a wasn't that kind of, of Peter and John. Here's this man who is lame, who needed help, who needed money, who couldn't make a living on his own. And this is a great example of God's people responding to the, the financial need and caring for the people and the poor and the hurting around him and we would have thought nothing of it, and we would have thought that was a good thing. But in this moment, when Peter comes and sees this man begging for money, he doesn't just simply do what is would be the natural response, but taking the example of Jesus, he paused and said in his mind, okay, what, what is going on here? What would my proper response be? Because remember, Peter as a... And John, as, as disciples, what they're called to do, what a disciple does is they imitate Christ. They live as Christ lived. And they saw during the three years that Peter and, and John and James and the, the rest of the 12 walked with Jesus, they saw a model in Jesus of continually, moment after moment, asking God, what is it that you have? What of the kingdom that is yet to come, might you want me to be a a conduit, to be a, a delivery person in this moment of time? Throughout the book of John, the gospel of John, Jesus regularly talked about how he lived his life continually saying, Father, what is it that you want to do in this moment? In other words, Jesus, though he was fully God, he took on the form of man and he lived as he calls for us to live. He, it says in, in Philippians, he put aside his God privileges, his God prerogatives, and lived like us, humbled himself to live like a human being, to begin to allow by the Spirit of God that filled him at his baptism, To say, Father, my life is to serve you. What is it that you want in this moment? In John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus said, the Son of Man, speaking of himself, that is one of his titles, the Son of Man can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. So as Jesus walked through Galilee, as he walked through Jerusalem, as he lived his life there, he was constantly saying, Father, show me what you're doing. Father, give me your eyes so when I see individuals, when I see circumstances unfold before me, I'm not just sort of shuffling through life, just putting one foot in front of the other, but I'm, I'm trying to capture what is it that you're doing and then taking that, that handful of that future kingdom and bringing it into time and space. In John chapter 8, he says... I speak just what the Father has given me. So G- Jesus not only watched in, in what the Father was doing with his spiritual eyes, but he, he listened to that small voice within his heart and listened for the, 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 the promptings and the nudgings and, and that, that voice of God directing his step. His steps, in, and again in John chapter 14, Jesus said, The words that I speak. I don't speak on my own authority, but it's the Father who lives in me. Speaking of, again, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that lives within us and indwells us. So the apostles watched Jesus live his life waiting and and giving moments of, of, of consideration of, Father, what are you doing in this moment? rather than just stumbling into, through life as, as though it has no account. And I believe that's what was going on in Peter's mind right here in Acts chapter 3. He sees this man at the, at the gate of the temple asking for money, and rather than just immediately reaching into his pocket, it, there was that pause, look at me. And in that moment between these verses, there's, Father, what is it that you have? What is it that you want to do? Is it simply to give him money? And then Peter, by the Spirit, realized there's a a divine appointment that God has set up here. There's something more. Because for Peter, and it ought to be the same way with us, he recognized that God has the right to write things into, into my appointment book. He can set my my day's agenda. He's the one that, that directs my steps. And if he wants to interrupt my life with his purposes, what an honor, what a privilege. That's what was going on in this moment. Just This week I was talking to a couple from our church, Dee and Chris Corbin, and they were telling me about a situation where they were—they have a—they bought a a travel trailer, and they were at a a, uh, a camping campgrounds here in Ohio, and you know they just began to to use their trailer, and they were, people were telling them the other folks in the trailer park were telling, or in the uh, campgrounds were telling them about the manager of the campgrounds was just sort of this. Crotchety old woman who was just mean and angry and just bossy and you know all she cared about were rules and no one liked her and they were kind of you know had a little fear about oh my goodness, what have we gotten ourselves into and and this one evening they were sitting out in front of their their camper and and the the, the manager was walking down that, that little road where they were where they were camping, and they saw her coming and and they were thinking, should we even engage in conversation? Maybe not. She has, she has this reputation. And they, they said hi, and the woman comes by and you know, probably was beginning to talk about, you know, make sure you put the fire out and don't do this. And, and Dee was explaining to me as she was talking to the woman, just, just in this beginning of this conversation, she just felt inside. That, that God had something here. God wanted to do something. And she was sort of listening to the woman with one ear and listening to to Jesus with the other ear. That's why God gives us two ears so we can, you know, and that's why we have two eyes so we can see in the natural and also watch what the Father's up to. And at a certain moment, she turns to the woman and she says, and she said, I just felt like the biggest jerk, but I just felt like this is what I was supposed to do. She I, I turned to the woman and, and I said to her, which was totally out of the context of what they were talking about, she said, God wants us to pray for you because he just loves you so much. And he said, the woman just instantly began to weep and sob and cry and just sort of put her arms around her and just... And, and he was thinking, my word, what, what, what is going on here? But what was going on is the Swiss cheese reality that, that Dee and, and Chris realized there was something that the father was doing, that we have an opportunity to bring God's kingdom here into this moment. And as it turned out, there's just a deep hole and wound in this woman's life that no one took notice of, of, took notice of but God knew about and that simple opportunity to pay attention to God and, and be sensitive in that moment allowed a, a huge door to open. The woman, you know, continues to say, yeah, I, I just can't believe God sent you to me. Do you, you really think he loves me? And yeah, I, I, we got to go out to dinner. I want to ask you questions. Just a marvelous situation simply because Dee and Chris recognized in that moment that could have just passed them by, God has set, as in all of our lives, these, these divine appointments. Acts chapter 3, verse 6 it says, after, Jesus, after Peter said, now look at me, and the man gave Peter his attention, then Peter said, you know, silver and gold, he didn't say, you know, he said, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. So, in that moment, listening to what the Father's saying, realized this was a divine appointment, and then turned to the man. He said, Listen, I don't have any, any silver or gold, any money to give you, but what I do have, I'm more than happy to give. And he turns to the man, In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. Peter recognized, and we need to recognize, that there is delegated authority given us to do the works, to say the words of Jesus. Peter didn't say, by the authority that I have in and of myself, or because I'm such a great godly man, but it was in the name of Jesus Christ, on his behalf, behalf, as one who has been delegated authority by the king himself, walk. Delegated authority, backed up by God's power. You know, I've shared this before. Many of you may know that, that for years now I've been uh, a police chaplain. Initially, I was, became a police chaplain in Reynoldsburg, and, and now I'm a police chaplain here. And I mean, to be honest with you, the only, the only reason I became a police chaplain is because a friend of mine who worked for the Reynoldsburg Police Department said, hey, listen, we're looking for a police chaplain. Would you be interested? I said, do I get a badge? And he said, yeah. I said, I'm your man. You know, and I, I grew up playing cops and robbers and this and that. You know, I get a badge, and this is a this is a no-brainer. But so they 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 gave me a badge, and it was probably just a matter of weeks after I had become a police chaplain. I was driving, and I came upon just a real serious accident. The the police were already there, and I pull over because I'm a police chaplain. I got a badge. I pull over <laughs> just to see if I could help out. They already pe- had taking the tape and, and put the tape around the scene because of the, the seriousness of the accident. And I go walking up to the, to the scene, and I, I go to go underneath the tape, and there's this highway patrol officer, and this is a fairly busy street, you know, uh, two-lane highway type thing. And, and there's this highway patrol man on the other side, and he was, you know, like 6'5", and broad, and, and he looks at me like going under the tape, and I, I thought he was going to eat me. And, and I pulled the badge out, and I, I show him the badge. And, and he goes, oh, okay, come here. And I was, you know, uh, this is probably 20, 25 years ago. I had, you know, longer hair and, and a ponytail, and I, I probably was wearing black jeans and a black T-shirt. You know. <laughs> but he saw the badge. And, and I, I got to cross that line. And, and he says to me, he said, you know, I asked him, is there anything I could do? And he said, yeah, stop the traffic in the other lane. And it's sort of like, <laughs> I, yeah, how? You know, I wasn't sure. So I didn't say how because I was, you know, wanted to look like I knew what I was doing. So I, I sort of looked at him and said, take the badge, put it around your neck, go into the other lane and put your hand up and say stop. So I put my badge around my neck, I go into the other lane, you know, with with my (laughs) legs, and I put my hand up, and they stopped. They stopped. What what I came to realize is that that badge meant I had the authority to do that, and the power of that department stood behind me, and they responded. What what we need to recognize is that as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, as disciples of Christ, we have a delegated authority given us. We have the authority to take God's purposes, not our own purposes, not our own wishful desires, but God's purposes, and bring them from heaven to earth. We have the authority to cross over that line simply because who we know and what we carry on us and within us, the Holy Spirit. So Peter looks at this man, and with that delegated authority that God has given him, he says, in the name of Jesus, because of the authority that he has, and he has granted me in this moment, in this life, walk. And the guy, as, as we'll see, just leaps to his feet and is healed. Because God not only gives us delegated authority, but he backs us up by releasing his power to hold us up in our feeble attempts to bring his good kingdom from heaven to earth. I mean, this wasn't a regular practice of Peter. Not at all. But Peter had watched Jesus. He had seen the power of God come and... in the, uh, at the day of Pentecost, in the previous chapter? And I, I think probably Peter was as surprised as this man. You know, just as, a, as an aside, when we pray for people up front, when you pray for people in your small group, when you offer to pray for your neighbor or a co-worker, I, I want you to realize... It, The same authority that was delegated to Peter is delegated to you. The same power that backed Peter up, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is there to be released to do his purposes. And and notice, just as an aside, it it was not some eloquent prayer that, that Peter prayed. It was just walk. When we invite people up to the front, for instance, on a Sunday or a Saturday night and, 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 they, and we call people to come and pray for them, you don't have to be this experienced prayer warrior with, well, okay, which prayer do you want? I'll pull that out. And A person has a bad knee. A prayer like pain go away. get healed, headache, go, Is, is the way Jesus prayed and the way we pray. Moving on in Acts chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And he jumped to his feet, began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising Peter. No. Walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used, who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to them. When the power of God comes through His people, when God backs up us, when we step out with that delegated authority and brings His power from heaven to earth, whether it's for healing or transformation or a word of encouragement or hope, when we step out and do the ministry of Jesus with words and with actions, the result is, is that God gets glory. It's not so we can get glory. It's that God can get glory. See, when the kingdom of God slices in, it's meant to let the king look good, be seen as gracious and merciful and powerful. It's for his benefit that just the phrase glory means evidence. It's that which gives evidence to God's goodness, to God's power, to God's mercy, to God's justice. When something happens and a person responds by saying glory to God, what they're saying is there's some evidence of God's great uh, goodness to his people. That's what glory means. And he's not wanting us to steal his glory. Peter didn't say, Yeah, glorify God, but yeah, he, he used me. Yeah, I had to take a risk here. You know, you know how to spell faith, R-I-S-K? I was the one that, that R-I-S-K'd. He, Peter was delighted that the Father was being glorified. It's like two kids talking about their their daddies. You know, my daddy's stronger than your daddy. My daddy can do this. My dad can do that. It ought to be our delight when people see that our Father, our Dad in heaven, is kind and merciful and powerful. God's looking, especially nowadays, He's looking for a a, a people who, who, who are willing to be invisible, who are willing to not have to have the attention drawn to them, who are willing to be like mirrors reflecting our Father and not robbing Him of His evidence, of His glory that we would be a kingdom of of priests because we're all priests before God. We all get to to come into His presence. We all have delegated authority. But invisible priests, that people don't focus on us, but they're focusing on our Father in heaven. Verse 11, it says, And when the man held on... Uh, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? I, not only does Peter want the the Father in heaven to get the glory, but he wanted to make sure that he kept his own ego in check. Why why are you staring at us? Even when people wanted to, to put him on some pedestal, why are you staring at us? This is all about Jesus. Jesus gets reflected through his people. A disciple is able to, to, to do the works of the master so the master gets, gets credit. Peter kept his ego in check. God's looking for people who are willing to do that as well. How, how do we do that? We, we do that by acknowledging Jesus regularly and continually, pointing to Him, acknowledging Him, being thankful for Him, calling for other people to recognize it's about Him. When Penny and I and many, many others came to plant this church, you know, there were evenings nights when I'd lay there in my bed thinking, what in the world have I gotten myself into? You know, what what am I going to do now? People are going to come to this church, and what what are we going to do? And, I, and over and over again, the Lord would say to me, just point to me and things will be fine. Make Vineyard Church of Delaware County about me. Not about great programs, not about, you know, terrific this, terrific that. Not, make it about me. Hold me up, reflect me, and it'll be just fine. Because it's Jesus that calls to those deep parts of our heart. It's Jesus that, that, that calls to the that whole inside of every one of us. It's Jesus that is so enticing and, and powerful and ga- gathering and stabilizing and providing peace. So we, we point to Him. We acknowledge as well, to keep our egos in check, we acknowledge our inadequacies. Early when I began to enter ministry back in the 70s, there was a pastor that that sat down with me one day and one of the things he said is, Danny, make sure you stay off of pedestals. And if people try to put you on a pedestal, keep it low because inevitably... They're going to kick the pedestal out from under you. And when they do, you don't want a big fall. You know, you just you just not rather than, you know, to keep our pedestal short. Whether it's just being a, a friend to a neighbor, whether it's, whether it's teaching a class, leading a home group, you know, helping with worship, teaching Sunday school, remember who we are. Because, see, if someone else doesn't kick the pedestal out from under you, God is more than willing to do that. To remind us of just who we are and that we're we're, we're just utterly dependent on him. He's the good guy. He's the powerful guy. He's the one that is so loving and so gracious and so kind. And we've all been recipients of that. He's the one that our lives can point to. And we can, we can just love the privilege that he's willing to use us. We, we can glory in that and be amazed that God is willing to delegate his authority to us. What was he thinking? We can relish the fact that, that our Father in heaven is willing to allow us to be conduits of his power. Father, how generous. But it's his power, and his authority, and his goodness. And we want to remember that. Verse 13. Peter turns to the crowd who are, you know, thinking that Peter is quite something, and he reminds them, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. In other words, the Father in heaven who sent his Son to establish his kingdom, to begin the the ushering in of his full glorious kingdom here on earth, you handed him over to be killed. And you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him up from the dead. And we are witnesses of that. We are witnesses of that. We get to see what the Father is doing and simply reflect that story through our words and and through our actions. But I, I love that phrase of how individuals who are children of God can disown the Holy One. Literally means to push aside or to deny. Or to consider something irrelevant. Consider something of no interest, of no concern. And, and that just so challenged me. I mean, how often do I live my life? I wouldn't say it with my words, but I, I betray it with my actions, that I, I live my life as though I've disowned my Father in heaven. I live my life of, as though He has no account in, in moments. of And, and I, I, I can walk through the whole day as though God is of no concern. That we can disown God. And this is something that, that Peter knew something about. The same word that's translated disown is the word that was used of Peter's denial three times. Peter recognized how easy, when the circumstances of life can overwhelm, when the concerns of life can grip us, that we can just sort of say, God, I, I, I'll take it from here. Or, or, or God, I, let me control my life. Or God, I, I don't want you touching this part of my life. This is mine to try to find life from. See, we're we're God's children, yet we oftentimes disown our own father. We're ambassadors of Christ, representatives of, of the king of kings and his kingdom in this world. But how often can we live as though we've disowned the king? Now, not that we've said, I I want no part of him, but we live as though he has no relevance. He has no uh, impact in this area at this time of my life. We forget our purpose We forget who we are. And what happens is we begin to try to find life, not knowing we've disowned the one who gives life, the author of life. We try to find life and fulfillment and purpose and hope and peace from things of this world rather than the one who created us and the one who invites us to draw near to him. So we try to suck life out of our careers. We try to pull life out of our our friendships. We try to pull life out of education and what degrees we have. We try to pull life out of our, our social status and who we know and who knows us. And all of those things are just fine. There's nothing wrong with education. There's nothing wrong with friendship. There's nothing wrong with, with having a, a, a good job and career. But there's something that is desperately wrong if we think that is what gives us identity or value or hope or peace. It, it's, it's denial of Christ. Disowning the Holy One the giver of life, who's provided good things in different ways to different ones, but all the time we, we return to who he is and find the sense of who am I? What's my value? What gives me peace for my future? Doesn't come, while well, I think I'm gonna get that raise. Or I think this job will, will make me feel like I'm, I'm something. Or, or getting married or having children or not being married and not having children. No, it's finding life from the giver of life, the Lord of life. Jeremiah, Jeremiah talks about how we, we try to dig wells in this world, figuratively speaking, trying to find living water and refreshment. But he says those, those wells are empty. They're broken. They can't hold water. They can't provide life. And God is looking for people who are willing to put their shovel down and say, I, I'm no longer going to try to find identity and peace and hope, security from things of this world. I'm going to lay the shovel down climb out of that well and and grow in my ability to receive from from you to come and, and find my value and purpose from you and i i assume you guys are like me that that you repeatedly disown count as irrelevant or just forget about the relevance of God as you walk through your days that, that you find yourselves oftentimes trying to suck life out of the things of this world you know, I got a 50 inch TV I'm something I drive this car I have this job. Look who my friend is. And and it's not as if any of those things are bad again. It's just that we say, Father, I thank you for these things. But I want to know you and I want you to speak to me and write in my heart and my mind those things that give me a sense of, of self rather than trying to get life through counterfeit means. Verse 16, it says, By faith, uh, Peter again is talking to the crowd, and he's trying to make it clear to them. He says, By faith, in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can see. When Peter's talking about faith, and I could do a series on that, but let me just simply say this. When he talks about faith, he's not talking about mustering some feeling. He's talking about faith in the biblical sense, which means to lean on, to be utterly dependent upon, to rely on. Peter says it's it's not just faith, like back in the 60s we'd say, hey, keep the faith, brother. It's what is the object of our faith. What is it that we lean on? And he says, be aware, Peter says, it's my reliance on Jesus in this moment that resulted in this. It's Jesus that used me as a, as a conduit of his power. A conduit is that pipe that they run wires through. The conduit doesn't carry the power or it doesn't have power. It's just a pipe that that carries the electricity through it. We're conduits of God's power, of God's grace, of God's mercy. (laughs) But it's God. It's Him and our reliance on Him. And and all too often, we we don't rely on Him, especially within the church. It's easy to, to hype things. You know, you may have noticed when we have ministry time, whether it's at a small group or whether it's here on a, on a Sunday morning, I mean, it, it, there's not a lot of screaming and yelling and hype and, and pushing and, and it, as though we can muster up enough fervor that maybe God will think something's going on down here and he'll show up. Or if he, even if he doesn't show up, well, at least it'll look and feel like... God's doing something. So we'll just try to hype it up. To the contrary, we don't want to hype things up. If God shows up, God shows up. When we have testimonies of healing, we talked talked about someone last night who who just in the last month or so responded to a word about rheumatoid arthritis and, and, and was healed and was taken by his doctor off of all medication that he had been on for years and years and years. God healed him. That's what I want. Yeah, it's a good, good deal. But that's what we want to count on. You know, one of the reasons why we don't have lots of smoke machines and, and, and fancy lights and this and that is because if we're going to be grabbed by the, the presence and power of God, let it be the presence and the power of God and not just something that we manufacture in case he doesn't want to do anything with us. Let's glory in him. And not say, well, we'll glory in him if and when he shows up. But in the meantime, we'll make it look like he's shown up. It's not going to happen. And and Peter makes it clear. It's by faith in Jesus this man has been made well. It's not some methodology. It's not that I paid attention to the prayer that brings healing to lame people. No. It, it's not some methodology. It was faith in Jesus and his power that flows through his people. And, and in fact, I, I think Jesus hated the thought and but knew that it's it's part of human our human frailty that we want methods. And that's why when he healed, he was always doing it in different ways. You know, you read in the Gospels about, you know, healing blind people. And, and one person, he would just say, eyes be open. They were healed. And another person, he would say, nothing. and just touched their eyes and they saw. And, and another person, he spoke. He, he bit on the ground, made some mud, slapped the mud on the guy's eyes, said, go wash out the mud. And the guy did it, and he was healed. Why why did he do it in all these different ways? Because he wanted the disciples not to try to figure out a methodology, because it's not about how we do the works of Jesus. It's a matter of Jesus and his power coming from heaven to earth. You can imagine in heaven, there'll be a, a, a group of, of people up there someday, and, and they'll be hanging around, and, and someone's going to say, yeah, I, I, Jesus healed me. I was blind. And someone else will say, yeah, he, he did me too. And another person, yeah, me too. And they're going to say, he did the mud thing? And think, mud thing? No, he just said, eyes be open. And no, no, that's not how he does it. He just, he, he touched your eyes. No, he didn't. Because it's not a methodology. It's Jesus. It's not hype. It's Jesus and our faith and reliance on him. Let's finish up. Verse 17. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as, you, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had uh, foretold through through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and times of of refreshing may come from the Lord. He says, listen, I, I know you were ignorant. I know you weren't aware of how God works in the past, but now you understand. Now you understand. In other words, if we're followers of Christ, there's continual and constant response according to what we've come to understand, what God has shown us, what God has done in us and to us and through us. Now we know, and he says, when you understand how how God wants to use you, when you understand what it means to be a disciple, it calls for a response. That's the characteristic of, of disciples. And, and the biblical word Peter uses is repent. Now, too many of you think repent means to beat yourself up. Repent means to feel bad about yourself, to punish yourself, to think ill of yourself. Repentance has nothing to do with that. Repentance just means that we realign ourselves with his purposes where he's walking in this direction and we keep on trying to go over here, repentance means, oh, I want to walk with you, Jesus. That hurts when I go in the other direction. Repentance simply means to realign yourself with God's purposes, knowing that you're going to drift away again and knowing that he'll forever and continually invite you to come back and get in step with his plans for your life and purposes for your life. Repentance is just a a continual invitation into a restored relationship. And repentance has gotten a bad rep. The early church used to talk about the grace of of repentance. It was something that they loved. That there's a forever invitation to return and to restore our walk with him. To get in line with him. To walk side by side with him to be used by him. Repentance speaks of a, of a homecoming where we again, having been reminded of the, the privilege of, of walking with him, get to move on and say, Father, what do you have in this moment? How might you want to use me? Why don't you stand up? Here's how I want to finish up today. There are most of us who recognize that we have various empty wells in our life, counterfeit ways that we try to get what only only our Father in heaven can give. We have in varying degrees disowned the giver of life, disowned the one who defines who we are and why we are. And we, maybe you realize that you're trying to find it through career. You're trying to find it through some savings account and getting, getting a nice nest egg. You're trying to find a sense of peace in the, for the future or identity in the present through counterfeit means. And I believe God wants us today to just lay some shovels down and say no more am I going to try to dig these empty wells that can't give life but I want to lay the shovel down and grow in my ability. It's a process, but to grow in my ability and invite you to be the one that defines me rather than trying to define myself. I also think that there are lots of us who realize in one area or another we are, we're sort of out of step. where we're, we're, we're not running away from God, but we have drifted in certain areas of our lives of that, that purpose that he has for us. And there's there's a lack of refreshment in your life. And I'm inviting you and, and I to, to turn or to shift our trajectory and say, Jesus, I, I take that invitation into renewed intimacy. Now won't you help me learn how to better walk at your side rather than trying to get you to come and take my path that I've chosen. So whether you need to, to repent, to realign yourself with his purposes in an area or, or maybe lay, lay down some counterfeit ways that you've tried to find identity, I want to invite you just to come to the front and, and with me just say, Jesus, here I am. Come and have your way in my life. Align me in your purposes. Use me for your purposes. Let me know why you created me. Amen? Why don't you join me?
0: to that word about the refreshment the lord really wants to refresh uh, some of you here today but also he wanted to do some healing and kept speaking to me about people with um, problems in their legs and i i I don't know if it had to do with the story but really strongly the lord kept speaking to me people with uh joint problems you know hip joints knee joints uh, your ankles your all the way down to your feet uh, the Lord wanted to do some healing and so I want to encourage you to come up if you need healing and the Lord does want to heal you today
1: good if you if, is that on yeah if you want healing let me encourage you to come and stand over here and we'll make sure there are people there to pray for you and uh, if you want to just go ahead and, and do some realigning of your heart and your your uh, your walk just Come forward with me, and, and let's just do business with Jesus.
0: Splendor of a King. The splendor of the King. Clothed in majesty. that all the earth rejoice. All the earth rejoice, and He wraps Himself in light. And darkness tries to hide, and trembles at His voice, trembles at His voice. How great. And how great is our God. And sing with me, how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God.
1: Father, we come before you right now, and we respond to that invitation into intimacy, that invitation into into purpose, that invitation to walk with delegated authority in Your plans, Your created purpose for our lives. Lord, we abandon the, 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 the counterfeit ways that we've tried to find out who we are or establish our, our sense of self. Father, won't You begin that ever-increasing process of speaking to us, revealing to us, why you made us. Father, we speak to, to physical injury and pain. And we say pain be gone in Jesus' name. We speak to bones, legs, ankles, feet. Be healed in Jesus' name. We speak to cancers. Be healed in Jesus' name. We take that authority, Father, that You have given us. We say, be whole and well physically, emotionally, spiritually. We take hold of the refreshing of Your kingdom. The refreshment that comes from walking side by side with a heavenly Father. Walking side by side with one who knows us. Refresh us, Father, from weariness. Refresh us from wandering, trying to to find purpose and meaning. Refresh us by showing us Yourself. Come, Holy Spirit. Let us see ourselves by looking at you. We bless what you're doing. We ask for more, more, and more of your kingdom. Have your way with us. As individuals, have your way with this church family. Have your way, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're getting prayer, go ahead and continue. Otherwise, God bless you guys. Remember who you are. You're disciples of Christ, reflectors of of the living God. And let's walk in in that manner. Don't forget, if, if you want to find out more about some different, we have two or three different potential positions here at the church. If you want to grab one of the uh, applications off the information counter, you can apply and we'll give you more information about the opportunities. If you want to give a call to the church, talk to one of the pastors, talk to Bill uh, Carpenter, we'd love to talk to you about what, what needs we have here for employment. God bless you guys. We'll, we'll see you next Sunday.